0: I'm Cassie Hilbron and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. This week is all about getting your kids to eat anything. I chat with Emily from A Mummy Too, who literally wrote the book on this. Emily lives in Nottingham with her husband, Mark, her son, JD, her daughter, Jay, and their guinea pig, Barbus. She founded her blog, A Mummy Too, in 2011, born out of a love of family, food, and photography. She then released her book, Get Your Kids to Eat Anything, in 2019. Now an award-winning blogger and author, Emily is consistently ranked in the top 10 most influential food bloggers in the UK. Emily also works as a recipe developer for a number of brands with clients including Marks & Spencer, Ocado, Heinz, and HelloFresh. Emily has practical tips for getting your kids to be more interested in food and cooking and how to address fussy eating. This week's recipe of the week is my lentil bolognese sauce. I know that some of you are having trouble getting your hands on your favorite meat products at the moment, so I thought it would be fun to highlight a meatless dish that will be a hit with the whole family. This deliciously rich and hearty lentil bolognese is ready in under an hour and made with everyday simple ingredients. Grab the recipe along with the links we discuss in today's episode at cookitrealgood.com 48. Now, I know this is going to be so helpful for all the parents out there, so let's dive straight in. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Cook It Real Good podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, I like to start with a little bit of an icebreaker, and I thought I'd ask you, what is your signature dish? oh i make a mean
1: butternut squash lasagna so it's all kind of white sauce and butternut squash as opposed to being kind of tomato and meat lead um and that usually blows people's minds so that's
0: like that that probably is my
1: signature dish
0: i'm very curious about this so is it do you still have the lasagna sheets or are you using the butternut squash as the lasagna sheets
1: Yeah. So it has, it does have a tomato layer, kind of, you know, the classic kind of sofrito and you cook down with the tomatoes, but it has, um, a ricotta and spinach layer, um, the tomato and then some pasta, the, um, tomato layer and then it has a butternut squash layer which is 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 basically just um roasted butternut squash and then mashed down so you have the three layers of the spinach and ricotta the butternut squash and the tomato repeated and then a white sauce on top so it's quite a lot different from the way a lasagna would normally taste in in terms of flavors it's probably more similar to what you'd expect from i don't know like um tortellini or something like that
0: Oh, that sounds absolutely delicious though. Like, I love mm-hmm. butternut squash or we call it butternut pumpkin here, which gets confusing <laughs> when I'm talking about it because people are like, what is that? like, it's butternut squash, same thing. <laughs> but yes, I'll have to try it now. Is that on your blog? Uh, yeah, it is. I'll, I will send you a link. Awesome. and I'll make sure I link it in the show notes because I'm sure there'll be lots of people who want to try that one. Yum. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about... <sighs> Kids and food, which is quite a, I guess, a heightened at the moment with the people in lockdown. Um, oh, those kids never want to stop eating, <laughs> feeding them <laughs> breakfast, lunch and dinner and all of the battles that ensue with the, I don't want to eat that and the fussy eating. Um, and since that you wrote the book on that, I thought that this would be a good topic for you to talk to. <laughs> so why don't we start with... What is fussy eating? Why it happens?
1: Yeah, so I think all kids and actually kind of most of us grown-ups too, we have periods of fussy eating. So periods where we kind of narrow our acceptance of what we think is okay food and it can get narrower and narrower. So that can either be because we're busy and so we get used to having kind of pasta five nights a week. Or um, it can be, you know, with kids, it can be down to a lot of factors. So often. You know, when you first start weaning a baby, you give them all these different purees and things to chew on, and they're eating everything, and you think, "I am the best parent in the world. This is going so well." Um, and then slowly, as they get older, they start to develop their own preferences, which is totally normal. But a few things are happening, so. They get comfortable with the foods that they like and they get nervous about things that are new. So that's neophobia. And it's so normal. Um, You know, it's what stops us, you know, kind of just doing crazy things when we're kids. And we think, oh, I haven't seen that before. That's a bit strange. I might leave that be. So, you know, kids see, they're used to fish fingers, for example. So oblong piece, white fish covered in orange (laughs) breadcrumbs and so they're presented with something like tuna and they're like huh this is the wrong color what is going on so there's a bit of that going on and then what tends to happen is there are one or two vegetables or one or two kind of protein options that the kids will eat so you keep serving them over and over again. And then the kids get bored because if you had peas on your plate every single day for a week, you would get bored. So then the things that they're willing to eat get narrower and narrower. And then I think, you know, when you've got boredom and frustration going on as well, sometimes kids just like to say no to their parents, you know, just to push those boundaries. So you've got all of those things going on. And then, you know, you've also got worries going on in the parents' head in terms of nutrition. And so it can become a real issue. But I really didn't want fussy eating on the cover of my book because I think that we all experience it to different degrees and we all would like to expand our families' foodie horizons a little bit. So I wanted the book to be really positive and to tackle kind of, okay, how are we going to open up food? And instead of trying to trick kids into eating vegetables, let's make them want to. So that's kind of, that's how I, that's my take on fussy eating and that's kind of how the book tackles it.
0: I really love that. Now, what are some of the common family food problems that you've been seeing during the lockdown? Ones that you've experienced, your friends are experiencing, your readers are experiencing? What are the common themes? I think all of us are finding that we are
1: never out of the kitchen. I mean, I love cooking and and, and I'm starting to feel like, have I actually left the kitchen today? (laughs) between the snacks and the prepping meals and the you know getting drinks and all that kind of thing um kids just wanting to eat a lot and it's expensive as well especially as you know a lot of us can't get out to stores in person so you know you don't get the kind of deals that you would get perhaps um, if you were in store, there aren't the kind of multi-buyers and things that they usually would be. And sometimes you can't get the brands that you know your family love. So then it's kind of, these aren't my usual conflicts. Um, so I'm getting a lot of that kind of thing. Um, and parents starting to worry that that the kids are kind of just eating like they would kind of during the holidays. But this has been going on for a long time now and they're starting to think, you know, actually maybe they should eat some vegetables. And, you know, my main response has been, they'll be okay. You know, you're not just feeding them literally crisps 24-7. You know, they're, they're eating a little bit less healthily in inverted commas than they usually would. But, you know, they're safe and they're cared for and they're nourished. So, you know, keep offering vegetables and keep trying to offer a variety of meals every day. But if you're tired and they're tired and they're not eating the ideal diet, it's okay. There's a lot going on right now.
0: That's such a good point. I think that um, even adults can give themselves a little bit of grace right now. (laughs) I see people um, beating themselves up about things new. This is like unprecedented. We've never lived in a time like this before. So (laughs) it's going to be okay. We can give ourselves some slack.
1: (laughs) Totally. I think so. It's such a weird time, you know, and We've all got these ambitions like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is my time. I could write a book. But actually, these are weird times. And, you know, I'm finding myself watching the, um, our government's um, kind of press briefing at 5pm every single day. And I only realized this week I don't have to watch that. Like the world will not stop. And if there's a big change, I will hear about it. Um and I've kind of given myself a break because I felt like I needed to be completely up on everything. I needed to have heard, you know, everything from the horse's mouth at the moment it was announced. And I've realized kind of, you know, eight weeks in, actually, Noah, yeah, Emily, you do not need to do that. <laughs>
0: That's a good point, point. and so yeah, it's if it's that yeah, eating cereal for dinner for the third night in a row. Well, that's fine; too. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I mean, this is the thing. Actually, I've got a
1: friend who's a dietitian. She works with kids quite a lot, and there's always that worry about cereal that you know it's it's high in sugar and it can be, but it's also fortified with lots of vitamins. Um, and minerals so you know if your kids are eating cereal sure it's sure it's high in sugar or it can be but it's actually it's got some it's got some great stuff in it you know and if they're eating it at the start of the day obviously you know you have these dreams that they'll be eating five different fruits and cut up in a bowl with all these lovely things but if they're eating cereal it's setting them up really well so again yeah give yourself a break it's all about you know, offer them some fruit and veg, get them interested in the variety. But my goodness, right now, we do not need any more guilt piled on.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you touched on something before and I feel this sorry. I don't have kids yet, but I already feel like this, that I am like constantly in the kitchen this lockdown. Like I'll just finish the breakfast dishes and it's time to make lunch. Um, sure. <laughs> How do we make that easier, especially for parents who are trying to do the homeschooling and child rearing? Um, they're my heroes at the moment. I seriously, I feel like I'm chaotic enough without that stuff. So what can we what tips can we offer them to make that time in the kitchen easier and more stress-free?
1: Yeah, I think... Um A good thing to do is to batch cook. So, I mean, our freezer is so full because we've been doing live cook-alongs on Facebook every day. Um, I'm actually giving myself a break after this week because every day was a lot to commit to kind of eight weeks in I'm like you know what I need a rest but Mm -hmm. um so we were doing these live cook-alongs and we're making kind of batches of cookies or we're making bread or pizza and because we're doing it every single day um our freezer is full now so I don't think we need to cook again for a year (laughs) but um it's really good if you're making something like a bolognese and you know you want to kind of do it properly you want to fry those onions and some carrots and celery and you want to cook it properly and get the meats kind of slow cooking that's great but nobody wants to do that every single night um unless you're kind of an amazing Italian grandmother and then hats off for you that's fantastic um but nobody's got time to kind of do these kind of slow cooked lovingly made meals every night particularly if they've got kids so make a big batch and get it portioned off and into your freezer Um, and that can be so useful Um, what I do quite a lot at the moment as well is I'll make something kind of basic so it might be you know kind of some chicken and vegetables in tomatoes or you know, something something really, really simple. And then when I get that portion out to recook it, I'll flavor it differently. So it might turn into something that's more like a curry or more like a chili, or I might serve it with pasta or I might serve it um, with tortillas so we can make kind of burritos with rice. So it's essentially the same thing, but I'm warming it up and adding different flavors. And That's really good for just reducing the time that you spend cooking just a little bit And the other thing is get the kids to help you. So if the kids are involved in the cooking, then that is also time that you've kind of invested in giving them attention, talking about their worries and all that kind of thing. So that gives you a little bit of a break from the kind of, have I spent quality time with the kids? Because you've spent quality time with them and you've made dinner, which for me is kind of a win-win.
0: Definitely, I love what you said about the batch cooking. We um, have been doing a bit of that as well. Like, yeah, I think I made like a braised beef for the last two weeks and we've had them, yeah, in like a, a bowl with rice and veggies or in burritos. or And you can just, yeah, make so many different things from just this one base and you can freeze it for later as well. So that's been really handy. And I, I too like making, if I'm making like a, a pasta sauce or something, I will double it so that I can freeze it for later because there's some nights where I just do not want to cook and it's so easy just to pull something like that out and cook a pot of pasta that's easy enough to do.
1: Yeah, totally. And actually, one of the things that, that I was hearing a lot um, when I was kind of writing up the book and I was speaking to parents a lot to do research is they were saying that because each child and or sometimes each adult in the family had such different kind of preferences that they were literally making kind of three or four or five different meals for the table every night so you know one kid will only eat beans on toast and another one will have the pasta that you're making but not the sauces on top it has to be on the side and all this kind of thing and they were making all these different and it must be exhausting it is exhausting i've been close to that point before myself so um so a few years ago i really started documenting it and 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 cooking on the blog and making sure that the kids enjoyed eating it and one of the fundamental things we realized is that if you serve things up with variety all the time, then variety becomes what they expect. So instead of going, oh my goodness, for the last year, fish has been white and all of a sudden it's this weird pink color. They expect something on the plate to be different every single night. And so the way that you guys are eating, you know, you're saying you're having it with rice and all you're doing this or that to it. That's great because that's essentially the same affordable ingredients, but served with some variety. And if kids get used to that as well, It just makes being a parent who has to cook every night so much easier. So that's what the book is for. As much as it's so that you are getting kind of great nutrition into your kids, it's also just so that life is easier.
0: Mm, I was just thinking about when I was a kid, and we definitely had the same rotation of meals that we would always have and yeah if there was something new I'd be like oh what is this (laughs) I reacted to it like that so yeah that definitely makes sense if you if you never know what's going to come up then you will be interested to find out
1: (laughs) yeah and I think you know if you are a fussy kid and I think I was still kind of fussy in some ways right up until I went off to uni and I think it's when you've got to eat among other people and you can't be a child who kind of is poking and going, what is it? And you just have to kind of power through a little bit. And also you can't afford to change your mind if you don't like something that you've ordered when you're a student. That was for me, that was a big step as well because I was like, oh, okay, actually it turns out when I have to eat things, I actually like a lot more than I thought I did. So I kind of say that to my kids as well. Like, I know you think that, you're, that you don't like it, but you haven't tried it yet. So how about just... I don't know, pick a piece up and smell it or, you know, if it's a piece of sweet corn, squish it between your fingers or, um, you know, um, let's see what asparagus is like inside. Let's snap a piece open. So, you know, my kids are older and they're past that now, but, things like that feature really heavily in the book because I want parents to feel like even if their kids just eat the bit that they like off the plate and don't want to try anything else it's still an opportunity to interact with the food and for it to start becoming something that they're more used to seeing and then over time they start actually being willing to eat it as well
0: I love that do you have any other tips for getting kids interested in food when they're at the table? yeah so we
1: have um, we kind of it's really difficult, but it's really important to stay cool. So, so often I hear um, that parents saying that the dinner table has become a real battleground. So, you know, it's that real standoff of kind of what well, you've got to eat it. Well, I'm not going to eat it. And, you know, kind of oh, at what point do you give in? Because obviously you need your kids to eat something. You don't want them to be unhappy, Um, but you're kind of like, no, I'm going to stand my ground. And that can be really difficult because that becomes, you know, the whole family's tense before you even sit down at the table. So playing it cool is a really good idea. And then the book is really all about just finding the positivity in the experience of food. So, it can start off with really simple things. Like a lot of kids don't know where food comes from. If you're lucky enough to live out in the countryside with fields and farms, amazing, but lots of kids don't. They live in more urban settings. So um, you could start with something as simple as, you know, those... um, herb pots that are actually growing that you can buy from the supermarket mm-hmm. so you can buy one for each kid so one kid could have basil another one can have coriander um, or cilantro I don't know which you call it over where you are
0: we call it coriander but yeah same thing coriander excellent so <laughs> yeah. depending on where you are in the world we never and have then, the same um, thing nice <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, when I'm writing recipes, I'm kind of like, how many different terms do I give here? <laughs> so um, give give one to each kid, get them to do a little bit of research on the internet, so you can sit with them and find out kind of what kind of climate the plant likes, how does it grow, what does the seed look like, and then they can put their name on a label on those plants and they own them. So if you want to put some some basil in your uh, bolognese, then you have to go to your child and say, you know, hey, Amy, can I? can I have some basil and she will go off and she will cut the basil with some, you know, with some scissors and you will cook with it together. Um, So that starts to bring some kind of ownership and some experience of where food comes from and it's fun. Um, And another one that works really well with older kids as well um, is, I call it fridge roulette, but I think we call it fridge raiders in the book. Um, So you, you get out everything that's kind of edible straight from the fridge. So not like raw meat, but, Cooked meat, cheese, fish, yogurt, anything you can find in the fridge, jam. And you lay it all out on the table, some little tiny pieces of each thing. And you can do this however you like. So you can close your eyes, you could spin a wheel, you can dare each other, but you've got to try different combinations. Um and it can be really nice. So you know strawberries and cheese actually go surprisingly well together. Um and our discovery from one of these games ended up being one of the recipes in the book, which is a strawberries and cream pasta. Um but it can also be disgusting. <laughs> and it is kind of funny because it takes away that big barrier of if I eat something unpleasant, something terrible will happen to me that kids have. You know, it just it makes them much more willing to adventure with food. Um, and sometimes sometimes kids will jump on those challenges kids that would normally you know not even eat cheese if it hasn't been melted correctly will suddenly be tasting all these crazy combinations because to them it's something else now it's something fun so there's loads of different tips like that in the book that kind of that are trying to suit different ages and also different learning styles because different challenges and and activities will hit home with different kids and different families but the whole way through it's all about just make it a fun journey this isn't about a battle just keep having fun and exploring food together so i don't know the next time you see a pineapple in the supermarket look up online and see where it actually grows and you'll be amazed how many parents think that, that pineapples grow on trees i did until I saw a field of them. I was like, of course. So you can have real fun with things like that. In the same way as when you're teaching a your child to read, you're going, hey, can you read that sign? Same sort of thing, but all around food.
0: That sounds like so much fun. I really, I like the the taste test challenge or the roulette. It kind of, it's making me think of, have you ever watched that show Chopped where they get the four weird ingredients and have to make something out of yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's like the at home fridge version of it. Find the weirdest combinations and see if they work.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, before um, my husband met me, he had kind of four spices in his cupboard. So he'd have some kind of like some garlic and some chili, um, maybe some mixed herbs of nondescript origin. And that's probably it, salt and pepper. And so when he started cooking, using my spice cabinet, which is like the whole height of a cupboard. Like I'm obsessed. Um, Then he was like, Oh wow. And he was putting some crazy spices in things. And actually, so, you know, he was kind of making scrambled egg and just kind of putting some madras powder in. And I was like, huh, curry scrambled eggs, that's actually a great idea. So, you know, he was teaching me things because to him it was this new landscape and he never cooked like that. So you can just, you know, you can always find new things that are going to work well that you might not have tried before. And that's really fun. Obviously, you're going to have flops where, you know, at least one of you doesn't really like it. And that's okay because we do have our own tastes. You know, you know, when I say get your kids to eat anything, they should be willing to try anything by the end of it. But it is okay. You know, I'm not a big fan of coffee, for example. My husband loves it. My son loves it. My daughter and I don't really like it. And that's okay. It's not like we must like everything.
0: That's true. We all have our own tastes, but it is good to know that they'll be open to trying it at least and seeing if they actually do like it rather than just looking at something and going, yuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes it it can be funny when you have a disaster. We made, um, so you know the online resource, you might not if you haven't got kids yet, but um, it's called Twinkle and it's like an online resource for teachers usually, but they've opened it up for parents. And we downloaded this recipe for a World War II Chocolate cake, and it had a lot of vinegar in it and a lot of bicarb. And I was thinking, okay, that's what it says. So we followed it, and um, it was inedibly disgusting. And it was just so funny because we had Instagrammed every stage. You know, we're like, and now we're adding this, and now we're adding this, like all like perfect family. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so disgusting. And my daughter took it really well. She was like, "Yep." Oh so yeah, that, that's inedible. And it was just like, it was still fun. You know, obviously it wasn't great to waste flour because it's really hard to get in this country <laughs> at the moment. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but it was funny,
0: you know, it was still a good food experience. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> it's it's actually funny how much like the tastes have changed because if you think about back like in World War Two more so like how how much sugar has become to play a part in our diets and what they may have thought was quite sweet back then we now taste and think like oh that's (laughs) that's not right
1: (laughs) yeah it's weird isn't it it's like if you um if you switch cereal to something quite bland, I don't know, like shredded wheat or something like that. And you're used to sugary cereal. And and, and for the first few weeks, it just, it just tastes so bland and you're thinking, no, I'm not going to add sugar. I'm going to adjust. And then after a few weeks, if you do have something like, I don't know, honey, nut cornflakes, you know, you take your first bite and it's like, it's blown your head off. It's so sweet because you'd forgotten how used to sugar you used to be. So yeah, I think our tastes can change. And, you know, as babies, we're supposed to like sugar because, we're supposed to like high sugar, high fat um, breast milk that will keep us alive. You know, so that's that's what we search out. But unfortunately, because obviously, you know, in Western society, we live in a land of plenty. We're just <laughs> we're just completely hooked on sugar all the time. And I think sugar's okay. You know, we have we have cakes and biscuits, um, you know, as our dessert sometimes, and that's cool. Um, but we're not hooked on them to the point where you know we're eating them instead of our dinner or as a big part of our everyday diet.
0: Mm, it is important it can just encroach on everything so much
1: <laughs> well yeah. and it becomes what the kids want to eat isn't it they know that once they once they've seen a cake in the house my kids are like is that is that for today <laughs> kind of like you can see them going okay I do not want to fill up at dinner because I know there's cake in the house <laughs> and it's cute but you know obviously you don't want that to be all the time when you know they're kind of like getting dinner out of the way so that they can eat a cake but you know we make the whole day experience such great fun and it takes hours because the kids are throwing flour around and I'm covered in butter and all sorts so you know it's a great experience and then we have you know we have this reward of something delicious at the end so I think I never want to kind of make them afraid of certain foods to see them as bad I want them to know that, you know, even sweet things are, you know, they're they're fine in moderation, but it is about having a healthy diet overall and making sure you're getting lots of fruit and veg, you know, and exciting varied
0: colors and flavors. That's a very good point. I, I think I know a few people who in their childhood, obviously it was no junk, very healthy, very healthy, and it kind of goes the other way when they become adults and can make their own choices because there's been this yes. like forbidden food that they can finally try.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, my, it's interesting because my, my husband is a real like a real sugar fiend. If you we don't actually buy anything like sweets very often, but he likes um midget gems. So they're just like tiny little sugary sweets and um and he loves them. And if we bought a packet, he would sit and he would eat the whole packet. Um and I never grew up like that. I just didn't have sweets we had chocolate and 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 things but we didn't have kind of bags of sweets and so so to me it's really strange to watch him kind of eat a bag of sugar which he very rarely does but I literally couldn't do it whereas he's not that big on cake and I could literally just keep going back for slices of cake because that's 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 for me yeah (laughs) that's my thing so it's just really interesting how kind of the way you grow up can really affect what you look at. I would never pick up kind of a bag of, of candy in the, in the cinema. It just doesn't interest me at all. But I, you know, if there's a chocolate ice cream or something, then I'm, I'm all over
0: that. Yeah. We all have our things, don't we? Our vices. <laughs> <laughs> so we've sort of, we've talked about the book a lot, but we haven't actually said what it's called. So do you want to tell us about what the, what the book's called? Where can we find it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's called Get Your Kids to Eat Anything. And um, it's a cookbook, but it's also a five-phase programme to kind of change the way your family thinks about food. So it goes right from the start of kind of taking familiar meals like pizzas and burgers, but adding more vegetables. Um, There's an education phase. There's a fun phase. There's a really crazy phase where you start doing, you kind of dying foods, weird colors, using other vegetables and just having really great fun with food. And then there's a cementing phase where you're really almost teaching parents and kids to become their own kind of recipe developers almost. So saying kind of, here's a basic recipe, but here's all the other things that you can do with it. So yeah, get your kids to eat anything. And it's, um, it's available in bookshops if they ever open in this country again, who knows? And um, it's also available on Amazon Um, at the moment, I don't know about other countries, but certainly on UK Kindle, it's on special offer. So, um, it's worth keeping an eye on, um, because it quite often is on sale on Kindle and you can get it super crazy
0: cheap. Well, that's exciting. (laughs) Well, I think it sounds like something that every parent could use in their house, especially with all of those tips. And I guess like the, the recipes would be very handy, but those tips on how to get the kids to, to be open to eating anything is invaluable.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think that's what I wanted to do. You know, it's all very well when you kind of see family food writers like me publishing all these recipes on their blogs, you know, for kind of like fajitas and, um, you know, and lasagnas and all these kind of things. And and, and you're looking at them and, and I know some parents are like, that's awesome. And they've commented before on my social media and said, that looks great, but my kids absolutely wouldn't eat that. And so that's kind of almost why I wrote the book, because, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now, publishing recipes and, And I didn't just want to go, here are some more recipes. I wanted to say, here are some recipes and here is how to get your children to actually eat them so that you can all enjoy more interesting meals. And I think that's probably been the secret to its success, that it isn't just a cookbook.
0: Absolutely. That it actually is a – this is how you can get them to be open to it as well. That's really handy. I know a few parents who would really benefit from that, just myself. But (laughs) – I um, I like having these discussions as well because they're preparing me for motherhood. I'm like, I'm not going to have a fussy kid. <laughs> <laughs> I say now. <laughs> I mean, I think it's
1: a thing where you, you know, it kind of, it's, it's tricky. So there are lots of stages that they're not only challenging, but they're different for each child. So you know, kind of potty training and um, just t- teaching them to stay in their own bed all night rather than kind of jump out and keep coming through. These are all kind of tricky stages and you kind of, you you muddle your way through and you get really tired and maybe a little frustrated, um, but you stick with it and it works. And I kind of wrote the book for that reason because, you know, fussy eating is another one of those things where if you support them and you stick through it and you're consistent, eventually... Um, it kind of, it all writes itself and, and, and then it's all working out. But, you know, with party training, you get some wet sofas. With with um, sleep training, they end up in your bed at 3am because you're like, you know what, I can't get up again. So <laughs> so if you're having trouble with fussy eating, oh my goodness, it's so normal. Um, and the book is really just to give you confidence and give you and your family something to work together through um, at your own pace. So it's just another thing to not have to worry about, really. Because, I mean, you've got all this joy to come, but parenting is full of guilt and worries.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. We don't need any more of that, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Emily, could you tell my listeners where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You can search
1: for me online, I'm Emily Leary, and I pretty much should come up. But if I don't, then um, my username everywhere is a mummy 2 which is very British. Um, I do sometimes have people from the US asking me if I'm a mummy, as in with the bandages. No. So,
0: <laughs> oh, a yes. mummy. I never thought
1: yeah. about the fact that they don't use that for, yeah, mum. I know. <laughs> I think we're starting to get it now. I've been around long enough, but um, so yeah, I'm mummy too. And I'm on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, wherever you want to find me. Um, I absolutely love seeing if people cook my recipes. So I really love sharing. If anybody wants to send me pictures of things that they've cooked um, and my DMS are always open as well. So if you're thinking about getting the book or you're just having a bad day or you're in lockdown and you've got hardly anything in the cupboards and you can't think what to cook, um, I love hearing from people and just kind of being creative together and coming up with ways to get over little food challenges. So you're always welcome to message me.
0: That's so lovely. And I I know that you're going to take a week off next week, but those live cook-alongs I'm sure are still on your Facebook and that might be interesting to to go and rewatch.
1: Yes, yeah, I've organized them all um into a playlist. I think there's about thirty or so in there now, and um yeah they're they're in real time, so usually, my daughter's cooking with me um and we take quite a long time, so you know we all know that you could whip up a quick cake batter in ten minutes and have it into the oven, but we will take about thirty because we're talking about what we're adding, we're giving kids a chance to measure everything out live so they can keep up um and so it's quite unusual in that way because I am used to filming and editing so I'm used to bashing through recipes so it's been really fun to let my daughter take the lead and take our time over recipes and yeah it's been gorgeous so many little faces just looking really proud with their you know their scones or or their pizzas or whatever it's been just lovely
0: oh all right I gotta I'll definitely have to check those out as well Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emily. This has been a really great episode. Thank you. It's been great. I really enjoyed chatting with Emily and found her approach to getting kids to be more adventurous with food. So refreshing for all the links we discussed in today's episode, head to cookitrealgood.com slash 48. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple podcasts. That's it from me. Have a great week and don't just cook, cook it real good. Bye.